Hello, and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. For this week's episode, I'm joined by my dear friend, Emily Mastronicola. Emily works for the Office of Youth Ministry in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis in the area of communication and administration, and she is also the host of The Jam, a fruitful podcast. We had a lot to bond over when it came to the goodness of new technology, podcasting, and the ways in which we can use new media to evangelize. As a communications person myself, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to Emily about all of these things as well as nerding out about media and how we're called to steward our own spheres of influence. In this episode, Emily and I talk about how a college speech class changed her personal career trajectory, the importance of creating good media for the gospel, and how she started The Jam, a fruitful podcast. Hi, Emily. Hello. How are you? I'm doing so well. <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> oh my gosh, likewise, likewise. It's so good to have you here. I know that we've chatted, you know, intermittently like a couple times and we've had a call not too long ago, but mm-hmm. it's always so great to see your smiling face. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully our listeners feel this joy coming out of this episode. <laughs> amen, amen. Every episode, all of the joy just exuding from our voices. I was wondering if you could start with introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about what you do right now. Okay, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. So hello, everyone. My name is Emily Mastronicola. My last name sounds like an Italian noodle, and I think that'd be really cool if it was. But I am a podcaster and Catholic creative based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. So go Hoosiers. Woo! I work for my local archdiocese. I work in the Office of Youth Ministry, and my official title is Coordinator of Communication and Administration. So I kind of handle like our daily invoices, general office processing. And then on the flip side, I get to handle our communication. I'm the steward of our website and our social media sites as well. So it brings me a lot of joy that I can use my gifts of communications and apply them for the good of the church. So, yeah. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about this yesterday just in preparation of talking Mm -hmm. with you Emily like I was just thinking like how did we connect and it was probably through Instagram and I think it was Mm -hmm. like everything that you've mentioned all of these things that really drew me to you just because I think our interests and our Mm -hmm. profession is so very much alike and of course like our Catholic faith so thanks be to God for that and for new friendships like this I'd love to hear and if you could share with our listeners a little bit of your faith journey and how you've come to know Jesus this way. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Growing up, my mom was a big influence in my life. My parents have been married for about 40 years, but my dad is not Catholic. My mom is the one that, you know, always took both my older sister and myself to mass every week. And, you know, it was just through her, I guess, her own feminine genius, you know, something that kind of inspired me to kind of listen to the Holy Spirit and, you know, these different pullings and tuggings on my heart throughout the years. Definitely 
I would have to say, like just in my family in general, there's a lot of strong women of faith. I think especially my grandma, she was 100% Polish. <laughs> so she <laughs> was very much so very active in her faith. Yeah. My parents are from Northern Indiana and she was kind of like the big spiritual leader for our family. However, she passed away when I was in high school and I kind of feel like I've assumed that kind of position in our family now. <laughs> I'm the only one in my family that works in ministry on both sides, my mom and my dad's side. And I think I have the best job, but, <laughs> but there's just, a lot of great things that come from that. I am just so blessed every day that I can go to work and pray. You know, that was something that really was a big deal for me when I first started about a year ago. Mm -hmm. I had worked several part-time jobs after college before starting in ministry in, you know, very secular environments. But the biggest thing that I remember <laughs> was we would do a holy hour every Monday and I'd be mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, yes. I can pray at work. What is this? <laughs> because before then, prayer used to be very like internal to me. It was something yeah. that like I always didn't associate with work. It was always an escape for me from work. And yeah. So yeah, just growing up, going to mass, I was very much so... I would kind of label myself as like an athlete in high school. I did two different sports. I ran cross country and track. I graduated with a lot of varsity letters. In some ways, that kind of became an idol for me when I was mm. in high school. And it wasn't till I think it was my junior year, the spring semester. I had a whole bunch of advanced placement classes and I had to take a break from running so I could focus on those classes. And that was a really big moment for me when everything that I knew about running and trying to achieve success and everything kind of was like stripped away from me. Mm. <laughs> and I felt lost without an identity. During that time, it was really fruitful. I had already been confirmed at that point. I was confirmed when I was a sophomore. So a year later as a junior, I had a friend of mine and we had our youth group at our parish in town. And she was like, hey, you're not running track this season. Have you thought about applying to be a leader on our, on our spring retreat? In my head, I was like, I don't really know the youth minister. We have life teen at my home parish. Like I don't go to the life nights on Sunday. <laughs> like I'm the last person they're going to pick. Like I'm a junior. They already have their friend group and things like that. Right. And I remember getting the email from my youth minister and he's like, you're on team. <laughs> Come to this first meeting. <laughs> and it was just such a feeling of acceptance. It was so right. great. I was a small group leader for that retreat. I had like 10 different freshmen and sophomores. And then there was an adult leader in our small group. And it was like the best weekend of my life because it was something I had never done before. Since then, it kind of gave me that first taste of community. And that was something that I knew, especially as I was graduating high school, I was really seeking in college. Graduated high school, went to college, and I attended Ball State University. I was originally going there for athletic training. I was convinced I was going to be an athletic trainer and, you know, go one day and work for USA Track and Field, go to the Olympics and be a trainer. <laughs> About halfway through my freshman year, I was not doing well in my anatomy classes and mm -hmm. just kind of struggling with that adjustment of being in college just figuring out who you are, who your identity is. Mm -hmm. I remember that I couldn't get into any of the classes my first semester for athletic training and I was going to have to apply the second semester. And because I was like struggling so hard with some of my classes and my coursework, I wasn't eligible to apply. And I just really took that as like a sign that I was like, mm -hmm. okay, maybe I'm not called to athletic training. 
ironically, at that time, I had a speech class. And in high school, I hated speech. Like, <laughs> I don't know if anybody has seen The Princess Diaries, but it's like Mia Thermopolis. And she like <laughs> hates speaking and like she stutters. And <laughs> I hated speech class. But that semester when I was in college, my professor just said something that struck me. She's like, Emily, if you're passionate about something, learn to speak and speak it well and people will listen. That was just something that completely challenged me to have confidence in myself and learn that what I you know, was passionate about and then what was worthy to be shared in the world. And I later changed that next year, my major over to communications. Specifically, my concentration was organizational communications, so how to bring efficiency and innovation into the workplace. Mm-hmm. And it was great. So I was really involved with my Newman Center in college mm-hmm. and it was great. I was, on, I was in several leadership positions. So that was really cool because everything that I would learn in my coursework for my classes, I would tie it back into what I was doing at the Newman Center. If I was giving a retreat on like a talk, I would pay attention to like the softness or like the loudness of my voice, the tweaking, like these little things. And towards the end of college, I had an opportunity to go to SEEK 2017, which was in San Antonio. And at that point, that was my senior year in college. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I was kind of discerning ministry, but I didn't know if I like truly felt called to be like a youth minister. But growing up in a suburban small town, everybody I knew that worked in ministry was a youth minister that was kind of like, I don't know what to do for the church. I don't know what that looks like. I just remember having an opportunity to go to SEEK and being in San Antonio and being with 15,000 other college students. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the church. And it was just my first encounter really seeing the beauty of the church. I remember on the bus ride back to Indiana, I was talking to one of our focus missionaries because <laughs> I remember I, I couldn't apply to focus in my spring semester because if you interview as a lady for focus, you want to do it in the fall. I remember, again, having another door kind of shut. I was like, oh, man, I guess I can't apply for focus this year. I was like, I kind of almost see myself working for my diocese one day. I think that would just be like really cool. Yeah. Fast forward to graduation. Graduated with no job offers. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I applied for several Catholic publishing companies. I didn't get anything. At that point, I started helping out some local businesses and just started learning more about web design and photography and social media. Much of my degree is based in research, reading papers about human theory and communication. Definitely those first maybe like year and a half, two years when I was learning about like technology. I had one coding class in college and I sucked at it. But fast forward a little bit, this is where like, I guess my ministry, like it, it kind of starts to fit in place because sometimes we're in a situation and we're like, Lord, I don't get it. I can't see what you see. Amen. And it's the weaving, right? Yes. Like you're on the underside and it's like all of these strands and they mm-hmm. look terribly messy. But on God's side, it's something that's like Van Gogh's Starry Night and right. you, can't, you can't even see it. So what happened was after like multiple rejections, job after job, I was just so exhausted of being rejected. (laughs) I got to a point where I need to step away from this noise. And there was a retreat house on the north side here of Indy. It's called Fatima Retreat House. And I challenged myself to go on a four-day silent retreat. (laughs) I was the youngest person there the whole week. It was Ignatius-led. 
So I had a spiritual director for the four days, and then we had mass and adoration every day, and then you had a meal three times a day. I just remember the passage that my spiritual director had me meditate on was Jeremiah 18. So it's the potter in the clay, which was so on point because I just felt like I was a piece of clay that was squished and lopsided. And that weekend, the Lord was really recreating me in a sense. That next week after my silent retreat, there was a part-time position for the Office of Youth Ministry for our Archdiocese. And I was like, I'm not going to get it, but I'm going to apply and we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, I get an interview and then I get a second interview and then it kind of just all fits into place. I started out part-time and then I went full-time a year later. So that was just kind of like remarkable to me that kind of like have a space and a home. And it's what I really wanted to be in a place where I could bring in innovation, creativity, and efficiency into the workplace. And to me, that was the church. I've had a lot of friends fall away from the faith and, you know, a lot of people walk away from it. You know, there've been a lot of current events of things happening with the church I was like, I want to help make the world a better place, you know, help be a part of that new evangelization that preserves the history, the truth and the tradition of the church for that next generation. And if I can just do that as a humble steward of a web page and social media and just create one beautiful graphic that inspires some sort of beauty, that's enough for me. That's so beautiful. And just as you're sharing that, it's becoming more and more evident to me. We're kindred spirits and just the ways in which we... (laughs) want to use communication because that in itself is a beautiful tool. Like he has inspired people over the years to create all of these amazing web tools, these techniques and people who are like technical or interested in the arts and finding a way to bring it all together to create meaning and to also evangelize and share the gospel with others. And in particular, just, you know, your reflection on the potter and the clay from Jeremiah 18. It's so funny that you bring that up just because I think (laughs) like I was thinking about how, you know, you look at clay and it's just kind of like this blob of whatever. It's sticky and it's weird and it's kind of odd. Not colorful. Like exactly. Like it's God. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's just that it's like clay, but the ways in which God's like hand, when he's working with it, we are the clay and he's working with us to make ceramic or whatever. People will want to use it afterwards. It has a type of beauty to it and it's usable and it's functional and it brings Mm -hmm. joy to people. And just the ways in which when we say yes, I see that that's very evident in your own story too, like how you had a specific vision and you know, you're very athletic, you had what you thought was your identity. And then through different turns of events, God was able to lead you to where you are now. And it's all from like these little yeses the entire way. There wasn't one big, huge, Emily, this is what I want you to do (laughs) kind of moment. It was just all these little like decisions of just inching towards God. And it's just been a remarkable journey. I just, I've loved every moment so far. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. You were sharing how, you know, it was that encounter or that opportunity for you to be in a leadership position that you saw that you could also be doing this as well. And I guess I'm curious to know, like now that you've been helping to lead youth ministry and, you know, helping to guide other people, like what has that experience been like to really live that out and do that on a more frequent basis, maybe pre-COVID, like we're recording in COVID, but Mm -hmm. pre-COVID when you were able to still meet in person? 
So the interesting thing about my job, especially because I'm at a diocese, is I do a lot of behind the scenes work. So definitely when I was in high school and college, it was all kind of on the front lines. I mean, there was probably about like a year between before I started working full time at my diocese that I was at my home parish as a core member on our life team. Even then and there, like I did things like the activities coordinator on our retreat. I gave talks. I met with a bunch of high schoolers every week. So that was very much kind of the like upfront work, I guess you would say, of just being in accompaniment with teens in Christ on their journey. The interesting thing for me is I kind of do less of that now, but there's still great beauty in that. So our office is an office that supports pastors who support youth ministers. So we are like the people that help you with your budget planning for your ministry program, especially during COVID. We had a weekly uh, youth minister call every week, every Wednesday. We just checked in with them just to see how everybody was doing. You know, we provide resources to youth ministers. Um, We hold professional development events. So it's filling the youth ministers so they can then go out and help fill like their flock, which was very interesting to me because it's like, oh, I think of youth ministry, like you got to be the youth minister. You got to be like that upfront person. But at least what I do for work, I'm very much behind the scenes and there's so much fruit with that, which is really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And even to recognize too, like just as you're mentioning, even though you're doing behind the scenes work and you're not maybe directly working with the youth just to see how much all of this in itself has an impact on the mission and what it is that people are doing. This, as much as the in-person is important, like everything that's happening on the back end is just as important. Like we all have to work as a unit, as the whole body of Christ to make this possible for our youth. Yeah, it's been cool. This past year was really fruitful. 2019, we hosted NCYC, which is the National Catholic Youth Conference. We have been the host diocese. Indianapolis has past like four years, I want to say, but it's kind of ironic because I grew up in the suburb of Indianapolis, but yet I had never gone to NCYC before. But this year was really cool. The most recent one, 2019, because it was my first, but also I got to help design the trade items for our local delegation that was going to NCYC. So I got to design our sticker. We had some sock religious and we had sweatshirts and we had some swag trucker hats. But I just remember being at the closing mass for NCYC and you're like in a football stadium with like, again, 22 like thousand wow. people, which is very crazy to think right now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. But like just seeing people wearing what I designed and Mm. it's like, they don't know I designed it, you know? And and at the end of the day, that's like (laughs) not important, but that like, I kind of got to do something cool like that to like, you know, make a beautiful sticker or make, you know, help make a beautiful design on a sweatshirt or something like that. And to have people visually have that like encounter with beauty was so affirming. It was so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And you just told the words right out of my mouth, Emily, like the visual encounter with beauty and just as laborious as it is sometimes, like we spend so much time looking at our screen, trying to figure it out. And I think as an artist, we're always our worst critics where it's like, we're looking and we're just trying to make sure like, is this good? Like you start to doubt yourself, but then Mm -hmm. you see it out in the wild or you see it out in practice. (laughs) And it's so, so exciting just to see (laughs) your design out that way. So that's very cool. 
Yeah, good word choice there. I like <laughs> like that word. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, I don't want to overlook the fact you mentioned in your intro that you are a podcaster. Yeah. So, of course, we have to talk about that. <laughs> I've intentionally used the word fruitful, and I think, I don't know if you've consciously or subconsciously <laughs> used it as well, Emily. Um, I may have. I probably did. <laughs> but in terms of your own podcast, I would love to hear the story behind that. Like, how Mm -hmm. did you decide to come up with a podcast and start that? Absolutely. So I think this kind of ties into my feminine genius, actually. My daytime work life is I work for my diocese, but my kind of like after hours work is I have a podcast. It's called the Jam Approval Podcast. It's a Catholic podcast. So very similar to Rachel's and her podcast. We kind of started, I think, around the same time, and we didn't even know it. We had short hair around the same time, and we didn't even know it until we connected. (laughs) But yeah, I do monthly episodes, so it's a speed that works just for me, but each episode has hashtag this week spread. So like you spread jam onto like toast, right? So there's a topical spread. I'm super blessed where I live in Indianapolis. We have a very thriving young adult community called Indie Catholic. In the summer times, we have these huge events called Theology on Tap, and we have about 300 young adults that come on down to the Knights of Columbus Hall just for a talk and a beer. That's really how my first beginning episode started, was just interviewing friends, doing amazing things in ministry. I really kind of set it up to be like a lifestyle podcast. So like I could have the flexibility to talk about like the fruits of the Holy Spirit, just kind of a whole bunch of topics. It's so great. It brings me a lot of joy. Normally there's a pun to the title of every single episode that ties some like Catholic culture item to like a fruit, like Our Lady of Marmalade or (laughs) Full of Grapes, Holy Strawberries, like Our Strawberries Holy. But the origins of the podcast were actually almost from like a failed attempt in a way. But I was applying for a job and for a great company. I love them. I didn't end up getting the job position, but part of the interview process was creating a podcast. At that time, I had never listened to a podcast. I didn't know anything about it. And I had two weeks to create this podcast from scratch. The goal of the episode was to create a seven minute or less episode answering the question of what does the role of social media have in the church? And I was like, holy shiplap, this is up my alley. Like, I'm so pumped. And that was my very first episode, Holy Strawberries. And it ties to Holy Strawberries, Batman, we're in a jam. If we don't see the beauty in media and, you know, help infuse that with our Catholic tradition, we're missing a huge moment of evangelization for the next generation, you know, Gen Zers, all of that jazz. So for me, it was just to give virtual ministry like a fighting chance, you know, like Mm -hmm. don't take a social media fast during Lent just because that's what you did last year and the year before. Allow yourself to be immersed with good Catholic content. Have that be in your life continuously to help you grow in your relationship, in your virtue, in your own personal prayer life. Because sometimes I feel like media gets a a bad rap. We have a whole bunch of comparison issues and like, oh, I'm not as pretty as this person on Instagram or on Facebook. They live such a lavish lifestyle. But really having an opportunity to be in dialogue and be in the marketplace. So Pope Francis has a great... I believe it's an encyclical called Christus Vivit. Really great stuff, but he calls the digital world just like the marketplace for dialogue. It's just a, a spot to have a place for it, especially connect with everyone. 
So give that a chance, especially. So that was a lot of the episode, but I, one of the big things that I love, especially about that first episode is I compare stained glass windows and like cathedrals of the middle ages. Many people during those times were illiterate. So the way that they learned was, you know, going to mass and listening to it, but also seeing the depictions of the Mm. stories through the stained glass. That's what social media is today for almost like the gospel. So social media is the stained glass of the Middle Ages for the new evangelization. That was my big takeaway point. But like I said, I didn't get the job at that amazing organization. Instead, I got hired where I work now, which is at the Archdiocese. And I've continued the podcast since then. And it's been great. It's helped me become a better speaker. Anytime you listen to some of like, especially the early episodes, my um count is particularly high, but that's okay because I really honestly think you should have a podcast because I think it allows you to express things and thoughts in your head that maybe you wouldn't you know, tell somebody in a conversation and you can process them. It just gives you an opportunity to speak again, speak what you're passionate about and people will listen. For me, it's not really like how many views I get on an episode. You know, it's there for somebody to find it if they come across it. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just meant to kind of have these fruitful stirrings of inside reflection to then go out and, you know, apply things, you know, apply the resources or the things that we talk about at the end of the episode. The architecture of the episode is very much like an informative speech. So like there's an intro, there's middle talking points, and there's always like a wrap up or a conclusion. Mm -hmm. And because it's the jam of fruitful podcasts, we talk about like fruitful things to talk about, but we also listen to musical jams. I love it. (laughs) So every episode has a closing musical jam. And it's just been so great because with the podcast, it allows me the opportunity to kind of have this fun, playful after hours side. So, uh, but it's been great. People, people really like it in our, in our general area. Um, Cause it originally started out very much a local podcast Mm -hmm. and this is eventually how we actually, I think, got connected was I made like an Instagram and I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to grow this podcast. Yes. And that's kind of what we're doing in year two is we're growing. That's so right. that's kind of exciting. <laughs> that's awesome. And so many things come to mind too, just as you're speaking. I think the biggest thing was you made that comparison of how social media is really like the stained glass windows of our time. And of course, there are still beautiful stained glass windows (laughs) present in cathedrals. But having said that, like, it's funny because as you're saying that, the first thing that comes to mind is someone's Instagram feed. The real traditionalists might be like, oh, you can't possibly compare. But I think Mm -hmm. it's like when done intentionally, there is something about that. And also it's like, I can't help but recognize and think about the irony of this time now, because you're talking about how like we shouldn't discount online ministry, virtual ministry, and maybe people were able to get away with it pre-COVID. But now we're in this place where it's like, you know, masses are streamed online, Mm -hmm. youth ministry, like you have to do (laughs) group meetings online. Mm -hmm. Maybe you were doing that before, but now it's no way out of it. You have to do it online. And just the importance of having to adapt, I guess, Mm -hmm. and to recognize the ways in which these are the tools of our time. And of course, not to throw out things that do work, you know, print newspapers out, like Catholic newspapers out, but they have moved online or being able to engage with people through social media, engage the gospel that way. And just the importance of that is just something to really ponder and think about. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fascinating because when you look at the Bible and especially like the New Testament and how it was proclaimed by all these different like disciples is it was mostly like in the town square, 
And then eventually it was like recorded on paper. That's what they had at that moment in history that they could, you know, speak verbally and then eventually paper and like write it down. But I mean, we're still living in the great story and the great narrative. This is just how we communicate now. So to me, it makes sense as like, why aren't we tapping into all these beautiful things to help spread that amazing truth and beauty? Right. And especially when done well, because I I can understand the fear, perhaps, of taking the gospel and maybe there is no prudence to it, or at least like when there Mm -hmm. isn't any careful discernment around, okay, like, how do you want to craft the message? And what is it that we're trying to say? And then also to think about it from using this technological term, but also something that is important for ministry. It's like thinking about it from the user, like what is it that our audiences need or what is it that Mm -hmm. these people that we're journeying with in this intentional way, what is it that they need right now? And what is the most accessible way to get it to them? And like you said, whether it's like from the town square to the printed word to video, audio, and then now the digital age, just seeing how these things have evolved and we shouldn't be fearful of these changes. And in fact, we should embrace them. And I say, especially with the content, the creation of the gospel, that all comes with so much care and respect, especially a lot of for what I do or even for work or for the podcast, it goes straight back to prayer. Just all of that content goes to just being present in prayer, reading different things. I'm a big fan of Ignatius prayer. So just kind of putting yourself in the story, you know, but just great care and respect with (laughs) that. Just as a disclaimer, if anybody comes back and has some criticism about this, but I really love what Word on Fire does what Bishop Robert Barron does. Oh, like that just, anytime I need a good Catholic pick me up, you know, it's reading a blog post from there or listening to one of his sermons. So that's a really good fruity Catholic content, non-shameless plug. (laughs) It comes back to like you were saying, you know, that speech professor that you had just about Mm -hmm. when you're able to find something that you're passionate about and just being able to speak it and speak it well. And it certainly sounds like this is something that you found, but really it is just because it's like, it's our faith. It permeates every part of our being. And it's so, so important to us to, you know, as Jesus said, like, you know, go out and proclaim the gospel And whatever square that we find ourselves in, whatever field, whatever mission area, just to proclaim it in the way that God has given us. He's given us these gifts and how can we give back to other people? Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so, so good. As you think about your gifts, you think about the work that you're doing, the podcast that you're running, your feminine genius. How have you seen that flourish in your own life, Emily? I would say... It's been seeing that in myself growing as like the confidence of a speaker, especially like with the podcast where you show like a vulnerable part of yourself. So for me, there was an episode that we did around like Valentine's Day and I was talking to my friend Annie. She's um, a marriage and family counseling therapist, right? So a lot of it was just talking about vocation. And for me, I'm a single working young adult. I'm the youngest person working at my archdiocese. You know, I'm praying over the vocation of marriage and things like that. But that episode for me was a lot of healing of just confronting some stuff as being like a a single person, you know, feeling alone and things like that. So I would say definitely through this podcast, it's been growing, you know, confidence in my singleness and especially my singleness, especially as a woman working in the church. And then just like talking to other women who listen to the podcast and inspiring them. Like, this is super crazy, but 
three of my last four guests, they have been on an episode of the podcast and then they have been called to create a podcast themselves. So that has been super crazy cool. Inviting them on an episode and then them kind of realizing that they enjoyed it so much and they have so much knowledge that they want to share their gifts as a singer, their gifts as an artist, you know, gifts as a missionary. And then they're like, Emily, I want to go create a podcast. So that's been like super amazing, cool, like personal growth, but also like being able to be vulnerable with where I'm at in my life and with this podcast and then helping them inspire to do something amazing. So that's been just me embracing me and how God loves me and then pouring that into my community and my gifts and the other amazing men and women in my life. Amen. (laughs) And I think just... What comes to mind is the verse from Matthew about, you know, being that light for the world. And when it is that, you know, he really enlivens us and he helps us to illuminate more of who we are, people will see our light. They'll be dazzled by it, but, you know, (laughs) they won't necessarily be praising us. But Mm -hmm. hopefully everything that we do, that light that we bring will help them to praise God. And therefore they are also illuminated and they are set ablaze and they want to go off and do whatever ministry, whether it's a podcast or what have you. So Emily, thank you for doing (laughs) that, for inviting them, for inspiring Mm -hmm. them. And we need more Catholic voices out there in all media. I mean, we need Catholic voices everywhere, (laughs) but we definitely need more Catholic voices in media. So thank you so much for what you do. And and I was wondering if you could help us close in a closing prayer. Yes, beautiful. All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <sighs> Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Good gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Well, we thank you for this opportunity to come out and speak in the beautiful words on our heart. We pray especially for anyone right now who's discerning anything in their life. And we pray especially for those who are seeking an encounter with God, that they have the courage to say yes to those little tugs inside of their heart. We lift up everyone who's currently struggling with this pandemic, everyone who's struggling with mental health, and everyone who's just struggling with knowing their purpose in life. I pray, Mama Mary, that you come and wrap those who are feeling the most alone right now in your mantle. And we pray especially for our leadership, for Pope Francis, and for all of the bishops and archbishops. And we just pray especially for all of those who will die today. We lift up all of these things through our most holy mother, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. My thanks again to Emily Mastronicola for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. You can check out the great work that Emily does for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis by following them on Instagram. They're at ArchIndyYM. And be sure to listen to and subscribe to The Jam, a fruitful podcast, wherever you're listening to this right now. You can follow The Jam on Instagram to stay up to date with the show and for more delightful fruit puns. They're over at jama.catholicpodcast. I've left links to these in the episode description below.
You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and many other platforms. All this information can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always.